Welcome to Teffle Waffle with Troy and Steve, who are going to be waffling about. Have we forgotten our topic already? <laughs> no, we're going to be whinging instead of waffling today. Right, so I'd like to whinge about a question that I get asked a lot. Uh, not necessarily as a direct question, but it always leads to the same thing, which is. Why why don't Thai speak better English? They all study English. Why is their English so bad? Etc. etc. I think that question can probably be leveled at every group of language learners at some point or another. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what the discussion becomes. Okay. Alright, so I have worked out a nice example for this that, that seems to resonate with everybody. Mm. Um if you've ever been to Thailand you know that it's the land of seven eleven. There's a 7-Eleven not on every corner. There's four 7-Elevens between one corner and the next. And uh, the company that runs 7-Eleven, they hire uh, people with a minimum of four years of high school to work in there uh, as customer service, cashiers, whatever. In Thailand, English language is a mandatory subject. Six years of primary, four years of high school. It doesn't necessarily mean they always get it, but it is a subject. So to work in 7-Eleven, you've studied 10 years of English, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the language standard of somebody working in 7-Eleven when it comes to English is pretty much non-existent. Nobody in 7-Eleven can speak English. This kind of dictates that the language education that they've received for 10 years isn't effective at all. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. on the whole. I mean, there are some people who surprise me by speaking pretty good English. And um, obviously people in the tourism and industry areas speak very good English. Uh, so, um, but um, my immediate question to that is, why would they want to speak very good English? Uh, yeah, fair enough. But the premise is they've studied for 10 years. They studied... 10 years of a language and after 10 years they don't speak that language ah uh, but you see i studied 12 years of maths yeah and i am not considered one of the most mathematically minded people on the planet i i need a calculator to calculate what 13 and 17 oh i can do that in my head um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean i do know what you mean yes um, so I mean, years of years of education or years of learning doesn't necessarily correlate smoothly with knowledge. skill and proficiency and yeah. etc. Okay, fair enough. It might be it might be more fair to a person to to go with uh, motivation to learn and skills and knowledge. I mean, somebody who's really interested in baseball very easily learns all the baseball scores from the nineteen sixties yeah. games, even though it's not useful. Okay, so it's not a quality issue or a quantity issue. It's a maybe it's a purpose issue. I I, I mean I'm I'm not sure, but I think it's unfair on on <coughs> a group of people to say why why. For example, I know lots of foreigners who yep. live in countries like Thailand. Yep. Who've lived here for years, sometimes twenty odd years, surrounded by the language, actually needing the language, and still not learning it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So then you also just killed the purpose argument as well. 
Because they definitely have a purpose. They almost have to go out of their way to not learn. Yeah. I think in the cases of the foreigners who live in Thailand, I think that the purpose is there extrinsically, but there's no intrinsic purpose to They don't want to integrate. I mean, this goes to Gardner's... I know it's been debunked now, but Gardner had a, a theory of motivation in which he proposed intrin- um, uh, not intrinsic, instrumental motivation as a, as a reason to learn. Do you want to define that for us? Instrumental motivation means... Oh, sorry. Instrumental means I'm using it as an instrument. That's like an extrinsic motivation. Okay. But integrative motivation, which is my motive to become part of the community that I live in. Okay. Okay, so in South Africa, when I was growing up, we had a, a large community of Greeks. Yep. And the Greeks lived in little Greek pockets, and the Greek adults never learned any English. They would use their children to translate. Okay. Um, and I couldn't understand that because, I mean, English is so easy as a child. I think English yeah. is so easy. Why don't they just learn English and they're living here anyway? But I see that now as well with all these pockets of, of British and American people over here who just, they'll say, oh, I speak Thai. But when they say anything, you you know that they've got a pub, uh, they've got a, a phrase here bag of about seven phrases. Okay. <laughs> and I think that that's an integrative, that's a, a lack of, Integrative motivation. Yeah, they don't really want to. Um, okay. This is a neo-colonial. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> okay. All right. So we then it's not how many hours you study, and it's not necessarily the purpose, and it's not how good the education is. It's all about the individual. How good the education is is something worth talking about, though, because I think that there are there are ways in which a poorly motivated person can be can still learn. Yes. Okay. Now that's the that's a conversation that I quite often end up having, where first of all, it it's really unfair to say. Well, it's the Thai education system, or when I was in Cambodia, it was the Cambodian education system, when I was in Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. Because I do remember studying Italian at school. I don't remember Italian. I just remember that I did study. Well, let's talk about that. Did, how was the teacher? Uh, the teacher was was dynamic. She was keen. She liked her job. She was quite easygoing. She wasn't that, uh, like a lot of my teachers at that era the uh, dictator she wasn't that person so on the whole if i'm looking at her and comparing her to teachers as a whole she was nice so she why, was good. why didn't you learn well let's see uh we can start with actually no let's not start with me let's start with just the <laughs> the education okay she was doing something that Anybody who's ever studied a language, especially if they studied a language in high school, will remember which is. She the lessons were conducted in English, not in Italian. There were snippets of Italian here and there, but uh, phrase or a word. Um, she was using the model, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. Here are your ten words for the for the day. Memorize them, translate them. You have to know them for the next lesson. Uh, she I. I have no idea if she ever taught us any grammar. can't actually remember. I have a vague memory of doing some sort of grammar drill of gender pronouns or something like that, but it's so it's just completely gone. I can't even count. I mean, I literally 
that can't mm. count to five. All right, so if we're looking at it from a, a how she taught perspective, she was a good teacher. As a person, I think she was a good teacher. But that doesn't mean that she taught well, at least in terms of teaching Italian. In, t- in terms of outcomes. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that uh, she wasn't a language teacher anyway. I think she was our sociology teacher, something else like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that experience, though, that's pretty common. Anybody who studied a language... Well, I think Probably that the teen, that. Yeah, our teen years are not not are not well. We're not well disposed to language learning in our teens. We've got I think we're lots well of disposed to learning, school learning. Yeah, I should say. I wonder if the problem lies with the fact that as as a as human beings, we're actually not well disposed to learning a, a second language. We learn our first language so easily, but there are lots of social social linguistic barriers to learning a second language. You've got to want to be part of that community you've got to want somehow or another kind of let go of your your inhibitions your, yeah uh, well and your earlier community i'm now no longer oh okay i'm, I'm adopting a new identity okay. in, in learning another language and maybe some people resist that um i i actually think that a lot of it is simply down to the fact that italian was a subject like your example of math mm. it's a subject and you go to math, and then you go to science, and then you go to Italian, and then you go to PE, and then you, and then you, and then you, and then you. And as a subject, like, that's, I don't know, that it just kills something about languages, making it a subject that you have to study that is going to, there's going to be a test at the end of the year, etc., etc. It just seems to kill languages. So on those, on, on those, on the, on Sorry, on that basis. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the ten years that the tire study English at school, um, it's a subject. It's mm. not a communicative. Yeah. It's not a communicative form that that they can take into Seven Eleven or into the job with them. And so I don't think it's really fair to say they studied for ten years. They 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 had English lessons for ten years, but it was English as a theoretical academic subject. Mm. In the same way that I don't remember any algebra at all. Mm. Just uh, couldn't give you the, the very first step in basic algebra. So I, I had a French experience when I was at high school. Okay. Um, and it was voluntary. <laughs> That's a euphemism? <laughs> it was voluntary. We were allowed to either study it or not. And it was after school time. And there was a French teacher and she taught us French. Um, and I dropped out after the fifth or sixth lesson. The textbook was really dry. It was yep. just black and white. And unit one, lesson one, I remember was the cat is under the chair. <laughs> okay. Um, and in retrospect, I, I think my dismay at, at the whole thing was that I wasn't learning anything that... I, I didn't learn to say, hello, how are you? My name is Steve. Is that like, uh, you know, when you, you want to learn guitar? And you go to your lesson and the teacher just makes you drill three chords over and over again. Yeah, and you but, can't see any purpose in yeah, it. Yeah, but uh, when, if you've got a friend who plays guitar, they don't teach you three chords, they teach you... A song. Here's the opening, yeah, yeah. The opening of, of Star Wars. The, yeah. Um, now, my sister can speak French and obviously our family is French heritage, so speaking some French would have been pretty cool. I would like, actually, I wanted to, I wanted to try um, 
But yeah, I left because it. I, I mean, I don't even English. I wouldn't say the cat is under the chair. No, I, I, I don't actually think that's a sentence that actually comes that exists. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was a bit silly, and the teacher was nice, you know. But I would now, in retrospect, put my um, lack of learning on the curriculum, not on the teacher. Absolutely, fair enough. Uh, I, in in my Italian class. I think it, that was definitely a factor, the curriculum, uh, the fact that it was a subject, the fact that my teacher wasn't trained as a language teacher. Uh, and to be honest, even if she was at that era, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Communicative language teaching existed, but no one really used it outside of language schools. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's still true today. Probably Communicative true language now, yeah, yeah. teaching exists, but almost nobody uses it. It's the... Uh, Traditional approach. Okay, so let's go back to your original question. You hear this question from people, why is the Thai education system so bad, or why are the Thai so bad at speaking English? English. What do you say to them? Um, uh, I answer in a different way depending on the person who's asking me. So I get the question from teachers, and then I explain to them that it's not that they're so bad at, at speaking English. It's that we're all bad at languages. You studied your Brits and you had to study French or German and you remember what your lessons were like and, you know, memorising your sentences and doing grammar drills and all and having random conversations about the cat being under the chair and all that mess. Yeah. And and they can't speak the language. The only people who can speak the language are those who can you speak French? Well, yeah, I can, yeah. I I mean I lived in France for a year. Those people can speak French. Um, so it's not, it's nothing to do with Thailand or England, but I do think it's partly to do with how they're taught. I do think that's part of it, not all of it. You mean how the Thais are taught? Or the Brits are taught. The way that British people learn French is the same way that Thais learn English. And, oh, sorry. Uh, the way that they're taught is the same way that Thais are taught English. It's as, an as academic a subject. In subject. You're not actually learning the language, you're learning about the language. Mm. You're learning how, what the equivalent of this word is in your language. Mm. Uh, how to c- correctly conjugate these verb forms seven different ways. Mm. I mean, uh, you walk up to any English language learner. Which is actually uh, pertinent if you're studying Latin. I would say no, it's not pertinent if you're studying Latin. It's pertinent if you're learning about Latin. You're studying Latin as a linguistic, yes, and that's what we're taught. We're taught linguistics. A a Thai student knows the phrase modal auxiliary verb. I I didn't know that before I became a teacher, and I don't use it. It's not something I use in class. I use it in my lesson planning, but that's it. So actually, we're being taught linguistics. Okay, however, uh, Thai students ask me sometimes, a Thai English language student, who's a student of mine, will come to me and say, why are Thai so bad at, at English? I went to Cambodia last year, and they were so good. Or mm. I saw the global Asian language ranking index, and we're on the bottom, and etc., etc. And, and they are on the bottom. They are on the bottom. Mm. And I give a very, very different answer. Um, it's a slightly simplified answer because it's based on only one or two things I've read as opposed to things I've actively gone and read about which is that um, a lot of it's to do with 
what you were saying before about a purpose. Countries with a strong internal economy tend to not be as good at languages. There's a, a correlation You're to talking it. talking about xenophobia. No, no, no. Um, let's take Cambodia as a, a good example. A lot of young, very young Cambodians right now are learning English in school and it's become a normal subject. But let's go back 20 years and there would be people with great English, but those people with great English, they all worked in either tourism or they worked with NGOs or they worked with the UN or they... It was very much a, a, a tool um, using English not I'm learning English. And they would come and study and they wanted to improve and everything else. But they needed English to function in their life. But aren't you just talking about uh, the top 5%? This is the cream yeah. of the... I'm talking about a percentage. But if we took 20 Cambodians who lived in a city, let's say, pick Siemri, Phnom Penh, or it doesn't matter, uh, where they are interacting with a lot of foreigners. And those foreigners... Uh, contribute a lot to their economy it, they, they they study really well take Thailand the average person doesn't work with foreigners the average person if we're looking at percentages they don't need yeah, to interact yeah but if you go down all. to if you go down to Kassan Road or if you go along uh, where, where the people are and interacting oh my all the Thais speak great English everybody speaks magnificent English yeah. yes so I think it's just a percentage thing if you take a thousand times, three of them work with foreigners, and those three speak great English. Take a thousand Cambodians from, I'm, I'm cherry-picking, obviously, yeah. from Phnom Penh 20 years ago. Take a thousand of them. Uh, Fifty of them work with foreigners, not three. Fifty. Oh, the, the foreign economy is driven so much by... Yeah, and that's true of a lot of countries. Vietnam uh, has the pretty much the same if you cherry pick who you look at the, the languages from wow they're, they're great and if you but this goes back to Gardner's theory then this is instrumental motivation I need yeah. English and therefore I'm going to study it very well yeah and so I can't but then I can't say to a, a Thai person who asked me why I tie so bad at English my answer is essentially you're not you just don't need it uh, but you on the other hand are doing great because you want it and you need it you as a student are doing fine. Mm. When you say ties are bad at English, that's like saying... All right, so what we're saying is that that whole phrase is flawed because... Absolutely. Yeah, you can't make those sort of generalizations about Brits. Brits are bad at studying ties unfair because it's not... It, it's, it's down to the individual, not the whole community. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so the, the, the beginning of this was um, why... Uh, why are people bad at languages? And we have to make it people, not a group of people. Then we have to go a step further and, and go, well, how are they taught? Uh, that forms And what are they taught? How and what are they taught? And why are they learning it? And then it goes right down to the individual where it's, do you actually want this or need it or use it at all? You can want something a lot and... No. And now, and this is where we creep into the theories of second language acquisition, which is a, one of the staple subjects of master's degrees, uh, applied linguistics courses. Yeah. Um, and 
we draw on all the work that Krashen did during the 1980s about why some... Uh, he Krashen's argument was that we can learn a second language as well as we can learn a first language. But yeah. we have to be patient. We can't yeah. short-circuit things and we have to... Um, now, Krashen has also been debunked, but I think a lot of his stuff was actually quite... Insightful. Yeah. Um, people, we... Uh, just for background, there's this school here in um, Thailand where they do the natural method, which yeah. is a very outdated, outmoded. Um, but it's just listening. The teachers, two teachers at the front of the class, talk to each other, and they, the teachers and the students listen, reenacting the baby. A, yeah, they're having a conversation where they're figuring out each other's birthdays and wedding anniversaries, yeah. and when the public holiday is, and and what their days off for the week are. And so it's a it's a slightly artificial conversation, but it's a lot more realistic than most language textbooks yes. are. And so the the students are listening to this conversation and therefore getting all this natural input. And by osmosis. Yeah, and by osmosis, natural. they're learning the language. Anyway, the students, our trainees, go there, and and the school says you have to study this method for four hundred hours. And they all go, what? Four hundred hours? Wait, I've calculated that per hour cost, and that's go- and the time it's going to take me, and that's going to be. Five years and seven billion dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, the point is, I think learning a language isn't something that you can do overnight. And I think that that's maybe one of the problems that we have. You sit down and you think, okay, I'm going to learn Italian. And after four hours, you go, fuck, this is hard. And <laughs> <laughs> it is a big shock like that. It's, I think the, the thing that you bring to the table as an adult, which is what um, Krashen talked about as well, this whole thing where you just want a shortcut and you can't do that um, you go in as an adult but, and but the thing is but the funny thing is we don't do that with anything else if you want to learn football you're happy to go and play football two hours a week for uh, your but, whole life but you're playing football you're not sitting there being being taught one rule okay. of playing football and we'll play later all right okay next lesson all right second rule we'll play later we we okay, happy. can practice just just walking really slowly with the the ball we never actually do that when we play real football, but uh, just walk backwards and forwards holding okay, the so ball. Okay, on, so on that basis, your argument is then that language teaching is too plastic. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, and that, that strengthens the argument in favour of the communicative approach, which is get the students talking to each other as quickly as possible. Yeah. Let them play football. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I would, I would say, though, as an adult, we do it with other things, like learning to play the guitar. There are a lot of us who have picked up a guitar and go, I'd love to play the guitar. And then after five hours with it, go, not that much, though. I want to be able to play it. I don't want to learn it. I just want to be able to play it. I don't like learning. Okay, so this is, a, this is, a, this is inherently built into our, our nature as adults. We, we want to know stuff, but we don't want to go through that process. I think maybe it's not even an adult thing. It's a universal human trait. Because we don't set out to learn our mother tongue. It's not a goal. I'm going to learn to communicate with my mother and father. Mm. It just and it's not even a, you know, you can break it down into a tiny little uh, psychology thing. I need food and sustenance. And so so what? Now in in applied linguistics, one of the one of the eras of research was taking successful language learners and and unpacking them, seeing what it was that they did. Yeah, and lots of correlation studies, which I find fascinating and depressing. They they are because 
some of the correlations are things like uh, good language learners. What do they have in common? Well, they keep a diary of their their learning. Yeah, they have good strategies, and um, that uh, that's not a learning thing. That's a Look, if you really want to be a good driver, you have to learn how to change your own wiper fluid. It's kind of like that. <laughs> what an analogy. Okay. Okay, that was a bit <laughs> random, but still. Okay. That's, yeah, those correlation studies are very interesting. I do find them fascinating, but it's a bit depressing to tell your student that. Well, if you want to be good, do what the good people do. No, but I think I think the problem with students is a lot of them come into the classroom and go, okay, well, this is my experience in Cambodia. The students come in and go, all right, now I've paid my money, teach me. Um, and and no, they... I think it's worse. I paid my money, give me English. <laughs> yeah. Give it to me. Yeah. Don't make me work for it. Give it to me. Um, and I found that very frustrating. And I didn't have that experience in Vietnam, for example, or in or in Indonesia. The students there were quite happy to to learn to make the effort themselves and play around with the language. And and um, and I I found that I found that really frustrating because yes, the teacher is responsible for what goes on in the classroom, but not solely responsible. And yeah. there needs to be that. And good good language learners do take responsibility and go and learn their ten words. And if the teacher doesn't assign ten words, they'll find ten words that they want to study and, and or they'll they'll pick up a penguin reader and, and start <laughs> reading it. Or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why did I talk about that? Uh, correlation studies to good language learners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, the the thing about all those studies is though they are correlation studies, not causation studies. But there is no causation. I mean, if we, I don't think that you can ever say this leads to good language learning. I think it's a, a conglomeration of a whole bunch of different things. Somebody with high levels of motivation, a real purpose, a, a love for messing around with the language, um, the ability to sit for half an hour in concentrated effort and, and learn how to create the letter S. And to um, keep that motivation up between now and the next time that you come in a week later or yes, two weeks right. later. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that that's possibly the thing. I mean, everybody can start off strong, but the successful ones are the ones who can fight through the, the dips. Yeah. Um, because we all have low motivation periods in everything that we do. <clears throat> and if you can fight through those little dips and keep going, even when you don't feel like it, that's that's probably your... Your yeah, there's, there's also that interesting uh, correlation about uh, attrition rates uh, to, uh, to different levels. levels. Yeah, the levels. Where you take 100 kids and most of them get through level one starter basic and then 80 but, of them get the through reason, elementary. Yeah, but the reason why they, they, they get through starter and elementary and don't suffer from attrition at that point is because you can feel the development yeah, you can feel yourself learning at the pre-intermediate level you're starting to learn words that are less less obvious and you you can't feel your progress and see your progress yeah. like you could before and you think okay well i'm wasting my time or i'm not getting anywhere now and maybe your progress actually does jump maybe you do plateau and then suddenly have this huge leap and during those plateaus people drop out yeah I I know that myself, I'm a a terrible person to be talking about this subject from the learner perspective. In all the languages that I've learnt, in most of them, if I'm judging, let's use the CEFR, it's a nice simple framework, my language level has never gone above level three. It just just 
hasn't got there. If I talk about Thai, which I should be fantastic in, my listening, my listening comprehension is level three. Three or six, I'm uh, halfway. Okay. Right. Uh, my speaking is two. Two of six. Mm. That's terrible. And I have a lot of opportunity. I don't have a lot of need, though. I literally remember learning the Thai alphabet and I now know that I can't remember any of it. I, I could tell you the names of the letters, but don't ask me to identify which one's which. Yeah. And a part of that was, of course, motivation and persistence and perseverance. Part of it was just getting on the train, looking at the sign for the train station and concentrating on going, okay, that's a Tortahan and that's Gokai and, yeah. and all of that. But knowing that the name of the subway station was written in letters four times the size in English right under the Thai yeah. word. See, in Cambodia, driving around in Cambodia, there are no English signs. Okay, that, yeah, that was very different. And that is very different because you don't know mm. that there's a restaurant down this little street unless you can read that yeah. in. Um, and um, that really famous chicken stall next to the rice paddy is down one of these streets. Which one is it? And then you and know that the there's a sign. sign. Yeah. And the sign's not a big one. It's just... Uh, a tiny little thing tacked which onto could, a tree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there, the motivation to read, for me, the motivation was much higher. Um, I think not just the motivation, but uh, that thing we were talking about where it's select people who are really good. And Cambodia very much was a place where once you got out of uh, a city... That's it. There was no English. In yeah. fact, you'd, every now and then you'd show up in a tiny little town that somebody would walk up who spoke English and you'd be floored. You'd be mm. absolutely shocked. Oh, my. What? Wow. How? Where? How? What? what? Mm. And that would happen. And so the, the use of, of that language was a lot higher and probably still is. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a much more uh, city-centred country, it seems to be. Okay, so if we come to any conclusion about any of this... Absolutely not. But I, I can understand why, because obviously there's a lot of very intelligent people working in many universities across the world asking the same question, or f trying to answer the same question. How can we learn, how can we help learners learn the language, and how can we help teachers teach the language? Um, that's the entire premise of, of what I'm doing, or what we're doing at our university that I work at, um, in yeah. the Applied Linguistics Department. It's a big question. Okay. Let's take it, take it down. I want to get back to my whinge out of getting. When somebody says, uh, why is the, this education system failing the students in this subject? The answer is, why are they all? I, I know that's a really depressing thought, but I generally think that's the answer. Well, all of them are. In every country. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter the country, the culture, the, the education system, the government, uh, how long that particular political party have been in power, and anything else. Well, our applied linguistics departments must work harder to find the solution. Ah, see, there are these tiny little places that succeed. Or uh, I shouldn't say succeed. Are more successful. No. No, no, they are. Positive. I mean, you're, you're... Are less pathetic, let's put it that way. Holland. Holland. Okay, fine. I hate Holland. Because it's the go-to example for every... Well, education is terrible. Yeah, but look at Holland. Denmark. Look at Scandinavia. Okay, yeah, let's just make it... Yeah. Scandinavia as a whole. Yes, they do a, a lot of things right, and that's an education system... That's succeeded. Yeah, it definitely is. 
All right, so, so we do have an answer. Why are we failing our students so badly? Because we're not Dutch. Because we're not Scandinavian. <laughs> yeah. That's the answer. Okay, on a slightly more positive note, I've taught in high school and I've taught in language school and business and yada, 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 yada. And I do see my students having success. And my students comment on their success levels as well. And so I don't think it's... Uh, it's it's not something that we can't fix. It absolutely can be fixed. But I'm not a, a big believer in putting the blame on the, the top and letting that work its way down. I think it should be bottom up. Why are they so terrible at, at learning X, Y, or Z? Because they don't have somebody who knows how to help them learn it. Go help them. Mm. That's the answer. Actually, you're right. Go help. One of one of my pet peeves is when a teacher comes to me and says the students in that class are so weak, and I think to myself, "You're the well, teacher. Well, um, you're the teacher. Go and sort it out." <laughs> yeah, that's also yeah one of my big ones. I think that's probably where this wind actually comes from. It's <laughs> other teachers complaining and me going, "Oh, come on, man." Actually, it's worse than that. It's when a teacher comes to me and says that student in that class is so weak. Um, and I'm really tempted sometimes to say, oh, great, let's hire a teacher to help the student to learn. <laughs> I, I'm not quite that harsh. When a teacher says it's that one student, um, if they're a teacher who, who has a lot of those one students, okay, that's a teacher problem. But as a teacher who just has one, yeah, sometimes we get a student with, with it can be anything, behavioural issues, learning issues, what have you. And your job as a teacher is to make sure that everybody else is learning and, and then help that, that kid as much as you can. Yeah. But don't lose sight of everybody else. But I think, I still believe that the answer is a, a bottom-up thing. Mm. It's down to the teacher. Get in there and do a better job. Make the language something real. Stop teaching them that the cat is under the chair. The pen is above the chair. The desk is next to the chair on the right. Oh, oh mine was... Raul has a new goldfish. <laughs> I don't know what that sentence means. So happy for Raul. There was some weird random sentence about going to the market to buy bread as well. And I don't even remember it in Italian, mm. let alone in English. So let's make it real. Okay. Right, thanks guys. Go um, teach and make a difference, please. Waffle Waffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop wafflers, Tor and Steve. For any questions, comments, complaints, or queries, you can email tofuwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tofuwaffle.com.